Support for this podcast and the following message comes from KUST Campus Radio. A student-operated, non-commercial radio station, KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas, a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in at any time to KUST at Mixler.com slash KUST hyphen radio. Welcome to Cold Facts Hot Takes. In this podcast, we will discuss pop culture conspiracy theories and the cases around them. Today, we'll talk about the JonBenet Ramsey case and the conspiracies surrounding it, as well as our own personal theories. Hello everyone, welcome to Cold Facts Hot Takes. I'm Anna McFarland here with my co-host Kayla Mayer. Today we're going to be talking about JonBenet Ramsey and all those fun conspiracies around it. How are you doing today, Kayla? I'm doing swell. It's time to talk about um, a little girl named JonBenet who had something awful happen to her. Very unfortunately, very true. Okay, so Kayla, do you want to tell us who JonBenet was? Yeah, so John Bonet Ramsey was a cute six-year-old little girl who did pageants. Um, she was the daughter of two very wealthy um, parents, John Bennett and Patsy. Her father was a multimillionaire businessman, and her mother herself was a former pageant queen, which explains why uh, she had John Bonet do all these pageants. Mm-hmm. John Bonet had an older brother named Burke. He was just a few years older than her. I believe he was 10 when it happened. Mm-hmm. Yep. And as a pageant child, naturally, John Bonet enjoyed being the center of attention. And she was a very successful pageant girl. She had multiple titles. Interesting. And she was, what did you say, six? Yes. Okay. So that keep that in perspective, everyone. So, spoiler alert, she's dead, but I think everybody kind of knew that going into this, but we're going to set up a timeline and then propose some theories, but we're also going to talk about the actual, like, um, solid investigation that happened. So, on the morning of December 26th, 1996, um, Patsy, the mother, finds a three-page ransom note demanding $118,000 for her daughter's return. Warned not to call the police. Patsy does it anyways, which I don't think is that weird. I would have done the same thing. Like, Yeah. I, that's, naturally, you, you need help, naturally. so Especially as normal citizens, we are not all like Liam Neeson in the movie Taken. Who yeah, just where you <laughs> can go get your daughter. and Ugh, wild. <laughs> so then Patsy calls. Police arrive around um, 5.55 a.m., there's no sign of force entry, 
but they didn't search the basement, which had several windows. So let's keep a tally in our heads of how many mistakes the Boulder Police Department make. Yeah, and we'll definitely cover that more in depth Mm -hmm. a little later. But as we go on, just kind of notice some of these mistakes early on. Mm -hmm. Later on in the day, um, after the initial search of the house and everything, um, the Ramsey family were left in the house with with another officer. Um, The body of Jean Benet was found in the basement later that afternoon by her father, John Bennett. So, you know, there was a couple red flags leading up to this moment where they should have known that this might have not been a kidnapping, um, the police anyways, because after the kidnap, so in the ransom letter, they said, we're going to call you at 8 a.m., 10 a.m. Yeah, sometime in the morning. Between 8 and 10 a.m. That's, yeah, that's what it is. And so they had like a timeline and that time came and passed and no one, um, you know. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And so after the kidnappers failed to call the home at the promised time, one of the offers, officers excuse me, suggested to John that he go look around the family's house just to, like, give him something to do, which, I mean, is innocent, but, like, you're the police officer. Yeah. <laughs> you should be the one searching the house. I mean, I understand where she was coming from with it. But also, if he did it, he knew exactly where to, like, go. So he went down to the basement with um, their neighbor, because his neighbor had come over to help him look, uh, just to console him and be there with him. And they found his daughter bound and gagged. Um, some of the injuries she had are um, a little graphic, so just beware. Um, she had a fractured skull. She was sexually assaulted, but no conclusive evidence of rape, like of um, assault immediately prior to death there was evidence of trauma Mm -hmm. so leads to the molestation and they found i believe they eventually found um something on her underwear yes they found i think it was hair or there might have been some blood there i think there was blood but um she was strangled by a cord made from one of patsy's paintbrushes as a garrote so it's like a piece of rope with two handles on the end. Um, her mouth was covered in duct tape, her wrists and neck wrapped with a little white cord. And when she was found, she had been covered with a blanket. Um, and that, you know, kind of means like mercy. You kind of see that, the psychology of it. But as the coroner goes into reporting and writing down all his findings, they find pineapple in her stomach, which is... The biggest conspiracy theory out there is about pineapple. <laughs> and the parents don't remember giving it to her, but there's a bowl of pineapple in the kitchen with Burke and his fingerprints on it. But at the time, this didn't mean anything. You know, it's two kids sharing a bowl of pineapple. But And you can't place a time frame on mm-hmm. when those fingerprints got there? Exactly. Yeah, because it happened during the night. The parents said that Burke was in his room all night asleep, and there is no evidence to suggest that he wasn't. Um, you know, it's... But the pineapple bowl plays into this next part that the medical exam... The forensic investigator, excuse me, Werner Spitz, who reviewed her autopsy and found a perfectly rectangular defect, quote, 
on her head that he suspected to be come from a blunt, heavy flashlight seen in a photo in the kitchen counter in the crime scene photos. He claimed that the flashlight was fit the eight and a half inch gash in her skull to perfection. So we'll get into that later. Um, but the official cause of death was asphyxia by strangulation associated with cranial cerebral trauma. So strangled, but had a head injury on top of it. And it was classified homicide and still to this day remains unsolved, Mm -hmm. which blows my mind. (laughs) Yeah, with all the new methods of investigating that we have So much technology. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, Kayla, do you want to talk about the mistakes made in the investigation? Yeah, so as we mentioned earlier, um, John Bonet's father was the one who found the body because the police officer kind of just told him to go roam the house and search. And my understanding was that she was like a beat cop. She wasn't like a detective or anything. She was just kind of a rookie. It's a... This would be like her first homicide kind of thing, I imagine. So, yeah, what a case to be yeah. <laughs> thrown into, really yeah. thrown into the wolves there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as the police came and everything, they only cornered off John Bonet's room. Um, so, basically, friends and family who had come over to comfort the family and do what they can to help, they were free to roam the rest of the house and. <laughs> They picked things up naturally and touched things, got their fingerprints everywhere, and potentially destroyed evidence that could have been used to find out who uh, killed John Bonet. That just blows my mind. Excuse me? <laughs> like, <laughs> who let that happen? Um, and, yep, John was able to move the body. So, first of all, he was able to touch the body. Which, God. again, destroys evidence. Um, and he he's the one who brought it upstairs mm-hmm. and showed the police. Which ruins the whole crime scene layout. Which is, okay, jumping forward a little bit. If he did it, perfect. Perfect for him. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. Sorry. And the Boulder Police Department... Um, shared evidence that they found with the Ramses and even delayed conducting informal interviews with the parents. And when they did interview them, they didn't er- interview them separately. So if one of the parents had done it, as we keep hinting at, is one of the theories with this case, they would have had, they would have destroyed any evidence. They could have gotten their story straight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just, yeah, it doesn't work for an investigation like that yeah well another part of it that kind of goes which is a big deal for the investigation i guess um was dna testing and so much of the recent investigation happening here in the um, 2000s 2010s um in the case was all revolves around dna profiles developing and um, the sample found in her underwear and the touch DNA later developed from her long johns, like she had little like um, pajama pants on. Um, the profile team from her underwear was entered into CODIS, which is a national DNA database, and no matches have been identified. So that basically exonerated the family. Um, Burke, John, and Patsy were all exonerated. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is really important considering that um, in December 1999, so... Before like, they were exonerated. Yes, and three, year, three years after um, the murder, mm-hmm. the Boulder Grand Jury voted to indict John and Patsy for child endangerment and obstruction of the murder investigation. Mm-hmm. But the Boulder District a- Attorney, Alex Hunter, decided not to charge them and said that there's insufficient evidence to support it. Which there there was, but it was all the evidence that was there was damaged. Um, something we did mention earlier, but the family has ties in several states. Um, and the reason Patsy was so up so early on that um, December 26th was they were going to go to Michigan to be with family. Um, and so that's why she was up so early and found the note. But the, she has a son that lives in Georgia. And so um, the whole family, Burke, Patsy, and jo- John, um, moved to Georgia and they wrote a book about it. I believe John wrote the book. Yeah, I think it was him too. But after we say that we think it was him, let's get into the theories. Okay, Kayla, do theories. All right, so there's basically two main groups of theories. So mm-hmm. number one is that a member of the family did it. Yeah. Either John, Patsy, or Burke. Mm-hmm. And then number two is that an outsider came in and did it. So first, let's dive into each member of the family. So right away, the main suspects were the parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they gave inconsistent stories um there were there were no footprints found leading into the house which Mm -hmm. if someone else outside was coming in they would naturally leave footprints there'd be signs of and it was christmas time so there was snow you're in boulder colorado not a lot of snow maybe but there's snow um there's also fiber on the duct tape that was all over john benet's face and body that matched fibers from Patsy's clothes and both parents were very reluctant to work with police which I think in a case like this where your child has been killed you'd want to help unless you're guilty yeah so and confusing um as we mentioned earlier there was that deadline Mm -hmm. um like eight to ten uh with the ransom note and as it was getting closer neither parent really seemed to be too worried about it which if the ransom note was true if they hadn't done it but also put devil the advocate over here people like receive shock in different ways i'll give them that because a lot of people like came for john and patsy like in tv interviews they're like they don't care blah 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 they definitely did it because they're so emotionless i mean that'd be part of it but also like people grieve and handle shock in different ways oh definitely and yes (laughs) um and the grief of a parent losing their child Mm -hmm. is crazy yeah um so first let's talk about patsy here Ooh, our girl patsy so jean had been a frequent bedwetter 
Um, I mean, she's six, so that's not awful. Um, she, Patsy admits, though, that one night after JonBenet had an accident, she, um, Patsy got angry and slammed JonBenet's head against a flat surface, like in the bathtub, when she was, like, giving JonBenet a bath after one of those nights. Um, the garrote, as I mentioned earlier, was from one of her paintbrushes. Um, this is just a list of reasons or maybe motives. Yeah, this is this is what um, people online yeah. kind of think happened um, during the night that mm-hmm. Patsy, you know, got angry, slammed Jaminé's head against. So the none of this is one hundred percent, but these are, um, well, I mean, they are proven, like head injury and the garrote and other things, but we, this is alleged, if allegedly, if Patsy did it. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back to the ransom note, though, it's Patsy is like almost 100% handwriting match to the ransom note. Um, it was written with her stationery with her own pen. The police department thought the ransom note was staged as it was unusually long. Um, using pen and paper from the Ramsey house and demanding that the exact money that John had received as a bonus earlier that year. There's some weird wordings, like, from movies. There's, it's really formal, but then also very, like, it's kind of, like, something that you would see in a movie, like, super dramatic, um, all of that. And everyone's handwriting samples were submitted, and John and Burke were cleared of any suspicion because, from writing the note, but, okay, excuse me, I misspoke earlier. Patsy, not conclusively cleared, but it wasn't supported by any other evidence. So, like, I think they wrote it in, like, a Sharpie pen, which would be hard to get, like, the stroke matching for handwriting. But hers was, like, the closest out of everyone's that they interviewed, which, I mean, um, excuse me, examined. Yeah, and when you think about how it was written on her own stationery with Mm -hmm. a pen that she owned, it's just a little sus. Well, when I was doing some research, I saw that, like, these people were, like, well, why would they write the ransom note in the house, like, if it was an invader? Um, and someone put, like, well, if they got caught breaking into the house with a ransom note, then it's kidnap. But if they get caught breaking into the house, it's burglary, and they spend, like, a week in jail. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think that plays an important part in thinking about the invasion, um, an outsider theory. So now, John, (laughs) um, so as we talked about earlier, he was the one who found the body. The police officer sent him and neighbor to search the house. He supposedly immediately went downstairs, found her body, carried it upstairs. Even though he was told to leave everything as it was, he removed the tape from her mouth and covered her with a throw blanket, thus ruining any physical evidence that could have been found on her body. Um, with the being told that he should leave everything as it was, I'll give him the benefit that if you, as a father, find mm-hmm. your six-year-old daughter dead, murdered, in your basement, it's 
your immediate reaction is to go like hug her and hold her yeah but there's just so many other red flags about this like he went to the part of the house that like no one used that was admittedly not used and that's why they didn't check it in the first place mm-hmm. yeah and again they let the 10 a.m ransom note deadline go by without a word um and he was overheard making arrangements to fly to Atlanta hours after the murder. Okay, so next on the Ramsey family list of suspects was Burke. And he was um, shielded from the press by his parents, which makes sense because he's 10 years old. But a leak to the news media indicates that Burke's voice could be heard in the background of the 911 call that Patsy made. Although she said that he was asleep until after police arrived. So inconsistency number one. Um, then we're going to hop to the beloved pineapple theory. Um, JonBenet might have taken a slice of fruit from Burke's late night snack bowl, found in the dining room table, and he struck her with the flashlight out of anger. Um, this is, like, very plausible to me. This is, like, my number one, um, theory, just because I am the youngest of siblings, and, you know, like, you, sometimes you do hit each other way harder than you mean to not with a flashlight on the head necessarily but like you but throw you stuff or yeah sibling just yeah boxing matches <laughs> yeah you know wwe smackdown on the couch um but the wounds on jumbinay's back were consistent with the edges of one of burke's toy train tracks as well which spitz suggests may have been used by burke to poke his sister's unconscious body for a response. Yeah. Which is, like, really sad to think about. And... I don't understand how they'd leave marks like that, though, if he was just poking her. Yeah. It wouldn't... You'd have to, like, press down. And for them to be there still when they examine the body as well. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Something else that kind of plays into his motive um, is that... John Bonet was getting a lot of her parents' attention. People think that Burke might have gotten tired of not mm-hmm. being as much in the spotlight, might have gotten a bit jealous. And her stealing the piece of pineapple from his bowl was just the final straw. Yeah. Well, and it was the day after Christmas. And so, you know, there might have been some fights about toys or literally any, there's like a number of things that could have happened, um, which aren't too far-fetched in my personal opinion. But the one last thing about Burke that kind of made a bunch of people (laughs) question him was his recent Dr. Phil interview. I mean, I mean, recent as in the past six years, I think, what was it? 2017 or something. Yeah. It, it not super recent, but, way after the fact but he grinned throughout questioning his eyes were really freaky and he was like laughing but people can portray that as either he's crazy or he is uncomfortable and I want to go with uncomfortable because if he did it he was 10 and you know like may have had some anger issues or other stuff. I'm not, like, going to defend him. It's not proven that it's him. But, you know, there's a lot of things, and I think a lot of people, like, came down too hard on him. Yeah, and if he didn't do it, 
he again he was 10 yeah his six-year-old sister had just been murdered in his mm-hmm. basement mm-hmm. he's so young How that had to do so many oh so much God. emotional damage so true yeah that's just crazy to me but so i guess we're on to part two about theories because now we're going to talk about the intruder theory and there's two major suspects for it but just to like kind of lay out the idea for it is that there was a boot print next to John Bonet's, uh body that did not belong to anyone in the family so like we said there wasn't prints outside but there was one in like the dirt, dust on the floor in the basement and there was a broken window in the basement um as we mentioned earlier, the drops of blood in her underwear were from an own unknown male. Um, and the floors in the Ramsey's home were heavily carpeted, making it plausible for an intruder to have carried Jean Benet downstairs without waking the family, which is terrifying to think about because like he could have done it up in her room and then brought her down to the basement. Um, and the part of it is that like the person that did it must have known the house really well because they must have like been able to find JonBenet's bedroom in the middle of the night, taking her all the way down to the basement without anyone else waking up, you know, without making a couple of wrong turns or anything. But Kayla, do you want to start off with the first um, major suspect? Yeah. So the first suspect, his name is John Carr, and he actually confessed to murdering John Bonet and was arrested in 2006. However, he was dismissed as a suspect because um, in the story that he told, he said that he'd drugged John Bonet, mm-hmm. but there were no drugs found in her system. Police couldn't confirm that he was even in Boulder at the time, and his DNA didn't match the profile generated from the blood samples. Mm-hmm. Um, so another suspect is Gary Oliva. Oh, Olivia. Yeah, I guess it's not Olivia. I just, I kept reading it as Olivia, but Oliva. Oliva. <laughs> Gary Oliva. Um, just Gary. He was a convicted pedophile in the area mm-hmm. at the time. He was living there on and off when the police allegedly found a magazine cutout of John Bonet in his backpack. Um, when he was apprehended on drug charges in just, 2000. Just to give some background on why he might have had a back, uh, magazine cut out, Jean Benet was in all those pageant magazines all the time. She was like at the height of her pageant career when this happened. So she was in several magazines around that Christmas time. So, yeah. Continue. Um, and then to kind of support this theory that Gary did it. Um, One of his high school friends, Michael Vale, actually stepped forward with an allegation against him as well. Mm -hmm. He claimed that not long after the murder would have occurred, Gary called him on the phone and confessed to him that he had hurt a little girl. Quote, I hurt a little girl. So Vale was particularly unsettled by how the knots in the garage were tied. Um, He said that they were similar to those used 
in an incident where Gary attempted to choke his own mother with a telephone cord. What? Like, why? What? <laughs> That's so... So, this is so not looking brutal. good for, for Gary. Gary. Um, he was also rumored to have possible connections to uh, one theory that links the marks found on John Bonet's body to mm. an encounter with a stun gun. Um, Instead of the toy train tracks. Yeah. So... Gary would have had one on him at the time of his initial arrest. Had one on him. Oh, he did have one Mm -hmm. on him. And he, however, was cleared by DNA testing. Which, you know, isn't perfect, especially back then. But we wish it was, which is really frustrating. Because this case could have been solved if it was done... um, Correctly, like, no, like, shade at the Boulder, Colorado um, Police Department. You know, day after Christmas, everyone's kind of stressed and doesn't want to be working. But this is, like, a big deal that should have been figured out way sooner than it was. Yeah, it could have been handled. Much differently. Mm -hmm. But there are some more theories. And if you're really interested, I'd say go check out Reddit. Literally, like, the best place for anything that we'll talk about on this show is Reddit to go look at but um jean benet has multiple boards on there um really cool discussions about it yeah this was just a dip in the water yeah There's we aren't even so gonna get into like the so government conspiracy theories or the like conspiracy theories about the parents and local even government. other intruders and yeah there's so many more things which we just don't have time for or really have enough knowledge about in all honesty. So that was John Bonet. Heavy episode, but interesting as always. Like I said a minute ago, check out Reddit. Um, we're going to link all of our sources in the description of this episode. And you know what? It's been Cold Facts Hot Takes with me, McFarlane, and Kayla Mayer. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Yep. Make sure to check out TommyMedia.com to stay up to date with everything St. Thomas related, sports, news, and of course, podcasts.